Welcome back, guys, to another episode of a Flyby Conversation. That's right. We're back. Brian and I had so much fun with American Graffiti slash Stays and Confused. If you haven't watched it, go back there and watch it. That we decided to come back and do another one. How you doing, Brian? Good, good. Yeah, you're like doing a classic, doing a newer one. That's kind of our thing now. We've done it a couple times yeah. in a row. We're we gonna, stumbled we're gonna upon a formula. <laughs> oh, we can give it a name and make it a whole separate yeah. podcast. That's what Let's we do, do now. Yeah. I'm calling out Joe. Yeah. That was a that was a Joe call out. If you're new to the channel and you're stumbling upon because we're, we're discussing two classics in my eyes, um, we usually have two more penises with us talking over each other. But this is our side project where we just sit down and just talk about two movies that we pair up either through common themes or common genres. Or if you're Joe and me through common shitty actors that we love, which is uh, go watch the Nick Cage. He's not a shitty actor, but, you know, he's done a lot of shitty movies. But, like, yeah, he's, um, he, doesn't, he doesn't let his talent keep him from doing some trash. Yeah, you know? yeah he doesn't let his wallet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah emptying out uh but yeah so this time around they gotta pay me yeah uh i've i've we've been doing this for three years and i've noticed that as different as brian and me are uh we have like core core a love for certain things and that is uh martial arts movies wwf attitude era and westerns for some reason we're right there well, I wanted to say this is actually a place where I feel like almost I, I feel like kind of a uh, I, like I don't want to lead anybody on. I'm actually not as familiar with older westerns as it should be. My yeah. western love started like with movies Tombstone. like Tombstone when I was a kid. So like most of the westerns I love are some modern westerns, and I am yeah. very so I like that's always been a blind spot for me. I need to go back and like revisit, especially like some of the Clint Eastwood stuff, you know, oh, specifically. Yeah, uh, but like, good I, just, I didn't want to give anybody the wrong impression. I do love westerns, and there's some really classic ones. I feel like there's just, it's there's it's no like a dead it's a dead genre sort of, but there's actually like a genre that like it, it produces diamonds. It's so hard to get a hit uh, a hit western that like it, the pressure creates these perfect little gems that only pop up like every six years or yeah. so. Uh, anyway, that's why I've been thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah, but but also, but you know, Logan is like a western, but no, it's not. Now it's funny people say that, but then like unironically, a movie like No Country for Old Men is like a great modern western. It's yes. so good. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we decided to do because we uh, we I uh, um, there's this movie that we think, and even though we hate this uh, word, it's underrated. Hundred percent is underrated. And that is the Sister Brothers. Uh, yeah, ne- just not ever, like, picked up much of a following that I'm yeah. aware of. Like, I don't see any cult love for it brewing anywhere, except between literally me and you. I mean, the people I have talked to who watched it have all liked it, but it doesn't, I don't know, it resonates really it, hard with me. And I noticed it again this time. Like, it's a banger. It's such a good movie. But uh, like we said, we, we, we stumbled upon a formula. The, the show is going to be called the, the, the Old and the New. There you go. Put a graphic up. Uh, so we, we watch I was thinking a about the dumb and the restless. <laughs> <laughs> and we can interchange uh, titles any moment throughout the episodes. Um, so we paired it with, since, since the Sister Brothers is 
this duo, even though they're brothers in this one, but it's essentially a, a Western duo, um, life of crime, set out to do one mission to possibly escape the life. Uh, so it kind of paired perfectly with uh, a freaking classic, and I'm just going to introduce it right off the bat, which is um, Bush Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, uh, based on true story. Uh, 1969 American Western. I watched Western. an A&E biography today. Just really? So you know. <laughs> Did you, the, the photos, there's some photos out there. Now that you, now let's hit pause real quick. And I love that they used the photos of them in real life to do the, the, the costumes. Like there's right. a lot of yeah. real photos of them and where uh, we can see uh, Paul Newman and uh, Robert Redford dressed identically like them, which was very Although good. Although they never have Paul Newman wearing the mustache. And like one of the main, main <laughs> pictures of Butch as uh, yeah, yeah, that you see, he's got the big like, you know, broom handle looking deal. Um, so, but I, I get that they did it to differentiate them so they would look different. So it wouldn't just be two guys with mustaches talking to each other. I understand. Yeah. So uh, directed by... Also, you got Paul Newman face. You don't cover it up. Yeah, I mean... They shouldn't cover up rubber reference either. I would, I would do. I don't know. The I, Jeremiah Jones beard says otherwise. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Looks pretty uh, good. So, uh, directed by uh, George R. Uh, Hill. I think he did um, a few other modern, uh, a few other. Uh, yeah, he's a real like collaborator. Funny farm. Yeah, a collaborator 20. with with. Uh, the Sting. Yeah, Sting, and uh, I think if you yeah. can't remember, there were a couple of them. Oh, Slapshot. He did Slapshot also. Yeah, yeah. So he, he has a well A couple Paul Newman movies. Yeah. And also uh, directed by William Goldman. Um, I believe he is also from The President's Men. So he has a beat and the Sting as well. So it's kind of like. Written, written by William Goldman. Yeah, written. You said directed oh. again. It's okay. Sorry. I didn't want your mistake to go by without you recognizing it. So. Yeah, and he's also he also wrote uh, the novel uh, uh, The Princess Bride. Yeah, so fun facts. Uh, fun facts. Uh, so like we said, the movie stars uh, Paul Newman as Butch and Robert Redford as the Sundance Kid. We uh, and also Etha plays is played by uh, Catherine Ross, which is like the love interest kind of quasi romance friendship with all yeah. of them with both of them she's like a member of the um, team and she's kind of romantically involved with sundance yeah oh by the way i just wanted to say i only realized or learned about the connection between sundance as in robert redford and the sundance film festival and like how he yeah. was involved in that like a couple years ago like an embarrassingly short amount of years ago yeah so, yeah he's one i of didn't the have to admit that but it's one of those things that's i thought you did but you did that's awesome uh he, he he's one of the founding fathers of uh the, the festival so it's kind of awesome um but yeah so we we pick up like later in their lives they're already well established they've robbed they have a huge following of you know warrants and debts and everybody wants them dead and if you want, everybody quick, fears just so just but, just so we're clear the, this is like the last couple of years of butch and sundance's life butch yeah. and sundance died when they were they were about the same age about a year apart they were in like their mid to late 40s when they when they passed uh filming of the movie newman was 44 robert redford was 33 so just so you get an idea of what they're because as yeah. i was watching it i was thinking i was like Psh, 
man, I can't believe they didn't cast younger. If they made this movie now, they would cast younger. And now you yeah. realize that it's like, oh, that's part of it. This is the last hurrah. And they're actually, I still believe that Hollywood today would cast younger. But yeah. the correct thing to do is cast men of the proper age. But I didn't, I wouldn't have, like, I'm not saying that he looks young, but I wouldn't have placed uh, Newman in the 44s. Yeah. Like, he looks good for 44. Yeah. Uh, especially they, they back then. weathered enough to be men. You know, they don't look yeah. like a couple of fresh-faced teens out there running around. For sure. So they're, like I said, in their later years, um, they're forced to escape the United States because the owner of the train of the Union stations have placed a huge bounty and there's like a legit team, like the Avengers of the team. That's what I, I, I have this note. I was like, show me the movie about the train baron yes. putting together his like sick ass team of lawmen and trackers to like find Butch Cassidy and Sundance. That's dope. And also, <laughs> like, I would watch, that, I know that's like pro a pro capitalism uh, kind of stance to take, but come on, that's cool. <laughs> Well, they, they kind of did the same thing with, um, so, you know, Bunny and Clyde, you know, they destroyed this entire world, supposedly, and they did a movie about them, and then a few years ago, Kevin Costner did a movie about the policemen that hunted them That Yeah, it's on Netflix, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it sucked, but um, that's kind of like the same pitch. Yeah. Of reverse. Um but yeah, so they're being hunted down, and they go down to Bolivia. They try to go straight, and then things just go go sideways from there. And essentially, we just follow their friendship, and that's what I kind of wanted to start with. It's like their chemistry, and their banter is so entertaining. It's so good. I, I would, did not expect the comedy of this movie. Uh, Redford does a lot, like. He really holds back, but when he hits a line, it's so, you know what I mean? He almost always has a great little one-liner or comeback, yeah. you, know, you know, almost everything he says. You know, Newman's obviously the the, the talker of the two. Oh, Newman is just firing at all cylinders. But that's what they said. I, I tried, like I said, I want to check out that A&E thing, so I was like, to see what people said about him, and supposedly... It was like that. Butch was very charming. He was a very like likable person. He they they used to mesh with society a lot, you know. And uh, when you their trip down to Bolivia, when we were to your favorite part where they have the montage, uh, they play the the, the Burt music, which Burt Backrack wild choice. I feel like that's like your Cat Stevens for uh, Harold and Maude only, yeah. uh, you know. But they were like they really took a swing with Burt Backrack during the movie during the music. It. I was watching it with my wife. My wife. And this, that, and the bike montage. I, my wife was like, "What is happening in this movie?" And I was like, "I love it so much because back then people took swings. That was the yeah, swing." Absolutely. The director said, "You know what? I want a bike montage. I want them doing tricks." Bush Cassidy was the first BMXer in the entire world. That scene, the the bike scene, and the raindrops. That's the only thing I knew from this movie. That's like all I remembered from this really? movie going That's into awesome. it this is one of my mom's favorite movies but i'd never like sat down to watch it my mom was probably like 13 or 14 when this came out so she's probably like swooning over this one and oh, yeah. always one of her faves but i never swoon. really like fully got into it uh and i so like to sit down to watch that the raindrop scene was something i always knew about and like didn't realize how early it came kind of in the movie yeah uh but um what i wanted to say uh, one of the things that really captured me and I really enjoyed was that uh, ode to old movies. 
like the opening credits was this silent movie. It was so wonderful to watch. Honestly, it was so much fun because um, now it's not so much. The opening credits back then were so long and so tedious. All the stuff was, at the end now was at the beginning back yes. then. <laughs> so that was very smart to do like a small silent movie while the credits are playing. I really like the way you have that opening scene in sepia, you know, like yes. so it feels like. And then they ride out of that and they ride into color. And it's like a very film literate way of being like, here's what you've seen. Now we're going to do something different. We're going to do a yes. different kind of Western that's something unlike was really, has really, you know, you've seen this so let's try something yeah. else and i, I just yeah. love that little bit of like film grammar that uh, you know that that, that felt yeah really cool. and they do a lot of and it is the, the classic tropes of the the shot the playing with the shadows so only the lot the eyes are very focused and yeah mm-hmm. it was it was very well filmed and i like the, the Newman's t- eyes look like they glow in sepia tone like yeah. <laughs> they're so bright and i love the introduction of them of, because you right off the bat you're like okay this is the killer mm-hmm. and this is the talker because right off the bat he's like he's the one talking the other guy down that wants to go at it with bush and bush is just staring him down oh sorry uh kid is tearing staring him down you're like okay you fully understand the dynamic of them right off the bat like, but then, it's okay, like but then when you get them together alone you see that Sundance is a lot more like Butch. He's got that like funny side to him. You know, he, yeah. he's got a much more stoic facade, but like when he lets his guard down, he is kind of a more free, you know, a freewheeling kind of guy. Um, uh, I had that, yeah, right, I had that right. same note. Did you know the big guy who he gets in when they come back and they challenge, you know, that's Lurch from the classic Adams family, the show. I, I, <laughs> I, I wanted to look him up because something in his face reminded me of some somebody. You reminded and, me of the big giant dude from Billy Matt or from Happy Gilmore. That's the one. That's right. It's you not know. him. It's the guy who played Lurch. <laughs> and that gave me. And also, that's I wrote it. I think I wrote it in, in Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. I love it. <laughs> Follow our Twitter. Uh, um, Indiana Jones. It, it oh, has yeah. so much energy of Indiana Jones, especially that fight. Sequence. Oh yeah. When he just kisses him and kicks him in the balls instead oh, of so just shooting him. Gives him that double axe handle and just drills oh, yeah. him. It's so funny. And it was funny uh, that um, he whispers to kid, like, if I lose this fight, you make sure you kill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, I love the practical explosion on the train. I was like, how did somebody not get hurt during that? <laughs> I legit screamed. My wife was... Uh, throwing something away and I had to back it out and I was like you have to watch this <laughs> somebody died somebody right? died watching typing that's this. another thing I was gonna say the classic another not really a, a moment I a moment I was more familiar with through pop culture was where they jump into the river you know the kind of like the big jump and I was like that's real stuntmen jumping in a real river riding real rapids you could break your hips you break your wrists you get fucked yeah. up riding rapids like that against really you get slammed against some rocks i was like that's some badass stuff right there <laughs> yeah there's a lot of good stunts and a lot of good uh classic cowboy riding i love a good you know horse sequence oh, where sure. you can tell that they're like going up hills and like they're really working the yeah the chase the the the, like the chase in the first half before they go to bolivia the long chase is a really good one because i like you know they're trying all their different little tricks and how to throw guys off and everything and uh yeah it it really does they're walking that poor horse up the mountain i was like damn that they are really moving like just let him go um but yeah i love that the, the they 
they have a good handle on tension. Like they, like, I'm not saying that was tense, but they knew how to build the suspense of like, are they gonna get away with it? Like, because the, the old man sequence is fun and then they right away, you're like, okay, then they escape and then they come back. And yeah. then the horses, the horse split and then they and they, they come back. And so you go like, all right, we're going to the rocks. And then, the, no, no, we're, we're still following. They can't be, they cannot be stopped. I love them mythologizing who they think is on the team, the super team. And I mean, they never like fully confirm that that's those guys, but it's pretty, pretty good stuff. Like I love the, I always love a good uh, hero or a villain qualifier, you know, where another group like somebody is talking about how badass somebody else is and they describe them to you you know i I always love that That, that's a fun little movie trope to get out some exposition you know (laughs) when they said when they said the indian's name the native american name uh his name is lord baltimore yeah but i understood lord Voldemort, and i was like what (laughs) What? amazing honestly amazing crossover let's do this (laughs) (laughs) uh funny but I think I think the names that they throw out there are based on real life. Like yeah. the, they actually build that a team similar to that, so that's why they were throwing those names out. Uh, kind of like uh, Winks and Nas had the history buffs. Um, the another thing that I loved uh, about the movie was um, the random score. Like it just kept you on the on your toes. Oh yeah, like I said, Burt Bacharach coming in for Burt like Bacharach. multiple numbers. Like not yeah. just he didn't just do the piano score for like when they're having an adventure. He like yeah, pops in with some jams like during the the montage we were talking about with the sepia tone pictures, and then like like the the, the raindrop scene where they're just fully. I mean, Sam Raimi calls that up. That's a scene in uh, what Spider Man Two. He does the raindrops yeah. thing with uh, when Peter gives up being Spider Man. You know. Yeah. Um, but so what, do you want to get to the end or do you still want to stop some play? Oh, uh, something that I saw that made me Google now that I'm just asking about the beginning, like when they're in the brothel and they're drinking beer, when the mob is outside trying to, well, when they're trying to form the mob, which is hilarious. Yeah, um, they're trying to form, I love the dude who hijacks the mob to try yeah. to sell bikes. He's <laughs> like, well, you, you gathered everybody here, so I'm just going to hop up, <laughs> sell a bike. <laughs> but they they were drinking beers out of a legit bucket like they had a bucket full of beer and yeah, they would like throw it beers they would like pour they'll use like a big scoop you know or they skip the cup in or whatever yeah and i was googling and that's kind of like yeah that's kind of like the 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 origin of what we sell now bucket of beers where they put those beers inside of a legit bucket that's how back then they used to serve before the pitcher was the bucket which is kind of cool uh, yeah, we can wrap up pretty quick. I had a couple notes about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, about Etta James, the character, the female lead. Yeah. Um, really the only female character in the whole movie. Um, yep. They do treat her pretty well overall, though. She's a, a strong woman. She makes up her own mind. Although I feel bad for her when she's like, well, I'm an old maid of 26, so I've got no choice but to go on the run with two outlaws and, like, <laughs> patch their wounds and make them meals yeah. and shit. I was like, oh, honey, like, <laughs> just maybe give it a minute. <laughs> you have your entire life ahead of you. Yeah, like, that's I'm just rough. a teacher with nobody to love me. What am I going to do? Like, I mean, you have a house and you have a job. Yeah, you already have a house. You're like, yeah, I, I don't know. But then... um. I uh I like that they have the scene 
where right before like she's kind of trying to talk about what their future could be once they get away like once they get out of bolivia and kind of get back to the states and the butch is kind of shooting her down and and that's when she realizes that he's kind of already resigned himself that they're not gonna make it yeah. like no matter what this is only gonna end one way and like whereas he used to kind of i think he used to kind of think of that as a joke it's kind of reached him finally and he's kind of and uh i like that and they and the on that A&E biography, they, you know, they talk about Eddie James, real person, but she is kind of lost to history. She did go down with them to Bolivia. Um, they actually lived there a little longer. They actually tried to, they ranched for like six or seven years before they got back into robbing. That's a thing that got, you know, cut down for the movie, obviously. But, uh, and then they did go back and, but she kind of leaves and nobody really knows what happened to her and she's lost to history. Nobody ever like, there's no real word about whatever happened to Eddie James after that. Maybe she met a nice Bolivian man and yeah, because she she knew Spanish. That was another sequence that was pretty funny. Them trying to learn Spanish. Yeah, that's um, yeah. Trying to, teach trying to rob people. And one thing that I love, I've always loved about uh, classic movies, like maybe since the forties till easily the seventies, late seventies, is that if somebody's speaking Spanish, they're they're actually Spanish speaking people. Yeah. Like they they don't have like a like a thick ass accent of, a, of like somebody that grew up in the states and they're like you look you look Latino you know do you know Spanish and you're like is it gonna give me the job because yeah I'll, I'll say talk, whatever I need I'll, to I'll, I'll talk Spanish <laughs> um, but yeah especially like and there's a few jokes in in there for because they don't put subtitles and I have some financial appreciation which I like as a non-Spanish speaker I like when a movie kind of drops you in like that and is like well they don't know what's being said so you don't get to exactly. know what's being said like. exactly because there was a lot of banter when they were like um saying the about the payroll they're mm -hmm. like that is a, they were saying like it's not our money and the Spanish people were saying yeah it's our money now it's our money now yeah exactly <laughs> We know but, exactly, it's not your but I think it's also well directed enough that I picked up on most of the context clue there. Like I was like, I get what's happening in this scene. <laughs> so one thing about you probably saw it in the in the A and E thing is that in the in the movie they go out in a blaze of glory, but in real life uh, they kill each other. Um, well, Sunday kid, they say kid, he got shot, and yeah. he gets pulled in, and then. Butch Cassidy finished himself off, I think. Is the, yeah. The I, the, the, and then the there are some, like, every, like, like Billy the Kid and, like, every other. Survive. Right. There's always a rumor that they survive. There's people who say they saw them. And you never know. They could just be getting hustled by some huckster. I tend to believe that when you find a dude who's famous and he's got a bullet in his head, you probably got the right guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And also, especially back then when there was no, you know, way to prove an identity probably some some schmuck in in the farthest corner of the world claiming to that legend you know to be that legend honestly hustle like that literally up until like the late 80s early 90s it's wild like you could just move to a different area and that was enough to people just like oh i guess you're just a new person now yeah. So yeah, I don't need documentation. I don't know who you are. I I'm love when the army, when, when the military, the, the Bolivian military rolls up or whatever, and they're like, two guys. He's like, ah, oh, it's the Benditos Yankee. <laughs> 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 and they're like, oh, okay, well, fair enough. And then, and to be fair, Butch and Sundance lay out a couple, a, quite a few bodies yeah, they, in their wake. You know, when, when Butch says he's never shot somebody, I was like, I do not believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never shot somebody in a while. Yeah, I haven't shot somebody in a long time, maybe. Uh, maybe I buy into that.
Um, but yeah, um, fantastic <laughs> movie. Um, I understand why it's beloved. There's some, yeah. there's some, there's some argument to maybe trim it down a little bit, or but I wouldn't, I wouldn't it was, change it. It's like, two hours though, so that's fair as far as I'm concerned. Now, I will, as we start to like shift over to Sisters Brothers, I want to talk for just a second. Uh, something that is kind of a criticism of Butch and Sundance, I guess, in a way. Um, I watched Sisters Brothers first because I am very familiar with it, and there's some themes in it that I think are really interesting about uh, the nature of relationships between men and uh, how they relate to each other, and uh, like that. And I, I was hoping to kind of contrast what's in Sisters Brothers with what's in Butch and Sundance, and I feel like Butch and Sundance is a little lacking in that area. There's no real there's no real depth to, like, their relationship is very, what you see is what you get when you're watching Butch and Sundance. Everything, yeah. like, not to say that they don't have a deep relationship between the two of them, but, like, it's kept fairly light through the movie. They never really, they don't scratch, do much to scratch past the surface. Great performances, and you can tell they really, they obviously, it's well played. They care about each other. They know each other very well. But, like, I was hoping to kind of compare and contrast some of that, what's in the Sisters Brothers compared to that. And uh, and also elements of like uh, midlife crisis, men kind of uh, trying to find a second, uh, kind of almost a second career, and like reinvent themselves yeah, and I, change direction. I kind of perked up when in the opening sequence, they uh, Bush says like, "Let's go to Bolivia." There's like, like it's essentially the new California, and like. Oh, this is pretty much, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal and and um see uh Riz Ahmed, um that that quest for a new life through gold. And I was like, all right, well, at least there's like a very clear comparison that we can make, but then it's like, nope, that's just that's just a line that they said. Yeah. Well and I feel like not and again, I'm not trying to take anything away. I feel like Butch and Sundance is a very straightforward last ride movie. These are guys at the yeah. end of their at the end of their illustrious careers, and they're dealing with that. But I feel like Sisters Brothers is also that, but also has quite a bit going on under the surface too, as far as the relationships between Riz Ahmed and Jake Gyllenhaal, and again uh, between the actual brothers Eli and Charlie, and uh, played by Joaquin Phoenix and. Uh, yeah. Uh, John C. Riley, which amazing pairing. And I'm not even a huge Joaquin guy. I mean, I recognize his talent, obviously, but I'm not like running out to, not, you know, I'm not burning out to go see Joaquin Phoenix movies in the, for the most part. But he's incredible in this. Yeah, he's a fantastic actor. Uh, so yeah, let's switch gears. Uh, 2018, we're jumping quite a few years into the future. Uh, I didn't see it till early what? 2019, but it retroactively became my favorite movie of 2018. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw it in a completely empty theater, and I enjoyed my uh, 2018 Western crime drama directed by, I'm going to butcher his name, Jacques Odiard. Sorry, my dude. I love you. Thank you for a great movie. Uh, you're a French director, so I'm going to say Jacques. 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 Sorry. Jacques. Maybe it's just Jacques. 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 That's an S. Uh, he's the director of Rust and Bone. It was a great Catherine uh, um, Cotillard movie. For... It's another movie I have not seen. And this is based on a book I have not read also. <laughs> yes. Um, directed, uh, written by a dude that probably hasn't done anything outside of French, uh, 
the French cinema scene, so I haven't seen any of his movies. Uh, but his name is Thomas Bidegain. Again, two French dude killed a Western movie, so I'm happy. That's so fun. Uh, starring John C. Riley, Joaquin Phoenix playing the sister brothers, uh, and also uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, which is like a scout for the boss of the brothers. The Commodore, and played by Rucker Hauer. The Commodore. Sort of. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Riz Ahmed, who is like a scientist? Yeah, he's like a chemist or an alchemist almost. Like He's yeah. basically come up with a secret formula, which we later find out is a thing to help find gold. Yes. Um, essentially, the two brothers are hired guns, but later have like a, let's say, a permanent contract with the Commodore. They yeah, are... they're kind of like hitmen for the Commodore. They work for yeah. him. So they're Essentially, they tell them to go either kill this man or get me the money or get me whatever they stole. And, like, uh, the dynamic Eli is a little bit older, and you can tell he's kind of done with the life, all, like, right from the beginning. John C. Riley. He is John C. Riley, And then Charlie, uh, the younger brother, which is Joaquin Phoenix, um, a little more ambitious. Like, maybe wants to kind of keep, not only keep going, but rise up the ranks a little bit. Yeah, he's very dead set in living his life in in the crime like this is what i want to do there's nothing outside and to be fair it's what it's what the sisters brothers are like almost clearly born to do they have like a supernatural ability to create death and destruction effortlessly like just tell that to the six horses that they burn in the beginning well, okay. um, well, they. I said destruction also. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So they they are exactly. They know what they're doing. Um. So essentially, they're set out on a on a on a mission to track down Jake Gyllenhaal, who is tracking down Riz Ahmed. Jake Gyllenhaal is supposed to find the guy, and then he lets them know where to come, and then they yeah. come and get him, kill him, or bring him back, and torture him, get the get whatever they want. Yeah. So, like Brian said, there's kind of this back and forth between the brothers, and like one is very tired and is looking to how the world is evolving. Like the honestly, the best scene, the best scenes are John C. Riley and a toothbrush. That those are my favorite scenes. Um, and there's Joaquin a really cool thinking, element of this that I that actually is kind of in Butch Cassidy too, and I didn't realize that whole like. The end of it's not just their last ride; it's also the world of the Wild West yeah, is coming bike. to an end. The bike it represents that, right? Exactly the bike, but in we get like a an, an even accelerated version of that. We it starts with the toothbrushing, obviously, but you get when they go into San Francisco and you see like what an actual city is at this time. Yeah, um, you know, it's really like the difference between the way they're living and like the way we're presented with westerns and what was actually going on in like places at that time is very interesting i think it's a, and it also like you know speaks to what we talked about as far as like them coming changing and like trying to move you know to a yeah. second second part of their life yeah this plays out as well in um red dead redemption 2 like most of the game you're playing like this deserts and tiny towns and then suddenly you walk into new orleans and you go like oh this is a city now yeah so yeah it's fun so, uh, the brothers are tracking down Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed. Jake Gyllenhaal befriends Riz Ahmed as they're traveling down to down the south 
to where Riz believes he can find the most gold. Then, well, I think it's I think it's interesting too that Riz like they play Riz Ahmed kind of like a he's like a gen, he seems like a genuinely nice guy, but he can also be a, a really good hustler, and you don't really yes. know right away. You know yes. what I mean? And like Jake Gyllenhaal just kind of gets taken in by him and you're not sure if it's going to be legitimate because he's kind of a, he's a fast talker. He's a little more sophisticated than a lot of the people. He yeah. Runs I like into. that. It and, was, it was a flip bet- from their personalities uh, in Nightcrawler. Mm. So Nightcrawler, like Jake is the one that ropes in uh, Riz and this one, Riz is the one that ropes in Jake. So like we're saying, Jake um, essentially lets his ambitions get to him. Uh, he doesn't want to be working for the Commodore anymore. He sees an opportunity to become rich with this new invention by Riz. There's so another, he's, I hate to keep bringing like him, but a, there's all these little things. Anyway, uh, there's like an element of um, like uh, confronting like generational wealth and generational abuse. Uh, yeah. You know, he's rejecting the wealth of his father, but then when it comes time to serve his needs, he's kind of taking it on. And like, that's it. I think that's a thing that a lot of people of money could recognize, like the idea yeah. of like, I want to be my own person, but also I want to, but, they, but then this faster track is open to me. Um, yeah. And then the idea of the generational abuse thing, there's a great line that the sisters, brothers, when they're talking about their dad, and he's like, they're like, his foul blood is in us. And, you know, I've had that thought as a person who has a bad relationship with their per- parent and is a ba- and their parent is a bad person is like, yeah. that's in me. And I carry that and I carry like, and I got to watch out for that in myself. And that, yeah. that idea of like confronting that and coming to terms with it and not letting it define who you are as a person is very interesting. Yeah. And that, that can be also translated to, you know, genetics. Um, they could have they could have gotten his bipolar. They could have gotten his drunkenness, like every his anger. Absolutely. Like it, it those things easily translate through generations. Like some people use it as an excuse to be a drunk asshole, but others like rise above it. Um, kind of like John is trying to do in this movie. Right, and whereas uh, you know Charlie Joaquin Phoenix is always giving into those baser instincts. He's, yeah getting drunk he's killing people when he doesn't have to he's you know being wantonly destructive letting his greed overtake his judgment constantly you know and it costs him a lot like we'll see in the rest of the movie um so the sister bros essentially track them down finally after jake is you know giving them the rundown so uh, the runaround uh trying to divert them from finding him and after a few shots fired, the sister brothers come around and they also want to be part of the gold chase. Uh, things go sideways very badly. And I'm going to leave it at that, right? I'm not going to say the entire movie. So yeah, you don't want to give it all up, but. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much because, it. Because unfortunately, there's going to be people who have definitely not seen the sister's brothers watching this. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like very many people have seen it. They should. They should. This is. Fantastic movie. It was a box office bomb. Rosie, oh, yeah, uh, sure. no thirteen million dollars on a forty million dollar budget. Um, but yeah, uh, let's uh, let's uh, sidetrack a little bit. What did you? What? What is your favorite character? Let's let's start by that because there's four 
fantastic characters in this movie. Yeah, I there's like I was gonna say and there's and there's some interesting side characters. There's not a ton of them, but I was gonna say I like uh, I'm a big fan of Mayfield when they go into Mayfield and they go to Mayfield's tavern and then like everything. Yeah. It, it's there's an interesting that's a trans actress. Her name's Rebecca Root. Um, Charlie misgenders her. But I don't think he's doing it in a... I, th- I think it's kind of an inadvertent thing because he's like... They're talking about everything's called Mayfield and then she walks up and says, I'm Mayfield. And he's like, ah, oh, the you know the man of the house or whatever. I don't think he's doing it intentionally. I think that's a play. I think they put that in there like specifically to have him do that, to play off of that, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Because then when it's just him and Eli and they're walking up, he only refers to her as a woman. He's always talking about Mayfield as a woman. You know, and I, yeah. uh, I was like, I feel like that's more of like a thing where they're kind of tiptoeing around it. I thought that was, it was interesting, you know, but, uh, but as far as the four main characters, um, I mean, your heart, it has to be John C. Riley. He's everything. Like he's the core of the movie. Um, and like the ever suffering Eli trying to come to terms with like a changing world and his changing views. And he's just been like, this kind of burdened character his whole life. You get the impression he's basically just been cleaning up Charlie's messes for 40 years or something. Like, yeah, like I, like I alluded to, like the best scenes are him with a toothbrush and it's, it's at the same time, like funny, but heartbreaking when, when the, the sequence happens, because he's like, like, this is what I can afford now as a step to like a better life. And then when he's like brushing his teeth in the river and Jake Gyllenhaal sees him and he's like, oh, look, I do it too. Like I'm a sophisticated human. And he's yeah. just like, okay, whatever. He just walks away. You can see like the defeat in his face. Like uh, I, I won't be accepted even if I make the full strive to be a mother man. There's a lot of interesting things going on there with um, like him getting comfortable like I said, there's there's a lot of interesting underlying stuff going on in this movie about relationships between men and, like, friendships between men and what brotherhood means and what, like, res- what responsibility do you carry for your family and where does that – where do you draw that line of how much yeah. you tolerate and how much you put up with. Um, I love the scene. He has a full-on Tony Soprano-style panic attack when he's – and, again, it's very Tony Soprano-esque because he only shows – gets to really show emotion when he talks about his horse, Tim – uh, yeah. God, his poor horse gets like attacked by a bear and then is suffering like the whole movie with this horribly wounded eye and then finally like walks off a cliff. It's so grim. <laughs> <laughs> but like he has a great moment there where he's like kind of opening up to Riz Ahmed a little bit because and uh, and just like the panic of admitting the truth to himself, of saying things out loud that he's only ever da- barely dared to think probably. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's it, it's an interesting interesting dissection of what it means what masculinity is and you know what that and also, means and also the the debt that he feels he owes his brother right not only because it's his brother and like you know he should care for him but he was the one that eliminated this evil looming above them he feels so, responsible. Like, he feels like it was his failing that his brother had to do it, and that yeah. what happened kind of awakened this like darkness in his brother that now yes. he has to kind of stick around to keep an eye on. You know, like yeah, yeah it is. There is a lot of layers through this movie, yeah. and on top of everything, like we can keep digging in 
and I and I want to talk about you know the the actual gold sequences, which is you know, a beautiful beautiful metaphor. Yeah, for, should we know. should we throw when we get to that we'll decide maybe we need to say spoilers or something. You know, yeah. you don't want to give away. There are things I want to talk about, but I don't want to give the whole thing like, up. I guess. We've, yeah, but we've I been, been that you know, careful about it in any way, though. To be fair, <laughs> we've been you know romanticizing the movie, but at the same time, even if you don't want to like dig into these relationships and, and the metaphors for like Excuse American me. society or manhood or whatever in case you want to go like it's a fun western like there's oh, fun action in it I don't want to make Great it seem like a boring slog of no. like <coughs> you know thoughtful shots of cornfields no it's a very I love I, I want to bring this up I didn't it's great we can talk about here the way the action is done in this movie there's there's about maybe five or six action sequences if you consider the last part of the movie which is kind of an extended um but the action is always shot aside from maybe i would say one scene it's like almost very objective they take a step back and it's kind of like it's not glamorized everything's very frank and brutal and fast but like they miss a lot and a lot well and also like you don't always see what's happening you know it's it's like this you're you're an observer too. You're not always right in the action. A lot of movies put you right there. You're more of like a third party. So when they walk off into the, you know, into some bushes and are like doing a pincer maneuver on some dudes, you don't necessarily see that. You just hear shots and then maybe somebody stumbles out of the woods and, you know, you're left to kind of, but it's, it's a, it's an interesting way to do a lot. I, I really enjoyed that. There's a lot of good action out there right now, but I like the way it felt very real. No, yeah. And also, I mean, obviously, I, we enjoy like uh, like uh, the quick and the dead type glamorized action sequences, but for the most part, you know, westerns are pretty straightforward in terms of their actions, and this one felt very true to the genre, but a little—I don't want to say the word gritty because it's not gritty, but a little more realistic in terms yeah. of like you know, toned down, still very uh, well shot and good good sound design. Like the gown shots are fucking. Uh, it's a, it's but, like, but instead yeah. of the camera getting in, the camera kind of when action's about to happen, the camera sets itself, and it doesn't yeah. move till it's done. I guess maybe it reminds me of a kung fu movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're in one spot and you're watching what's happening. You know. Um, yeah. but, what uh, else, Brian? Oh man, there's so much about this one. It's yeah, so yeah, because kind of like yeah, yeah, I was like. Uh, <laughs> You said you want you didn't want spoilers, and I'm not like I'm not like. Okay, well, this isn't a spoiler. We can talk a little bit about this theory I kind of came up with as I was watching it. Okay. This is kind of a sneaky sci-fi fantasy movie, right? So like, the the Ariz Ahmed's creation is something that does not exist. It's something that is impossible. So you get your science fiction element there. You've got what I talked about a little bit before about the supernatural element of the Sisters Brothers almost unkillable killing machines that seem to like like take on groups of men with ease at all times like i i it's it, there's i really like that, that sequence in it. the end that sequence in the end where john c Riley just obliterates <laughs> so many people well also i like that part so too because that's they get to a point where they're like is there anybody even chase? like there's just no one left to even chase them the commodore has like no more dudes to even send um, but, uh, oh, so I, but also then I was, okay, so I got that mindset and I'm like, all right, that's kind of neat. That's kind of a fun little ride take on it. 
Um, and I started thinking about how it's based on a book, and I was like, what if it was based on a graphic novel, actually? <laughs> but then, so I'm watching Butch and Sundance, and with that in mind, they have the scene where he does the, can I move? You know, the guy has him, does the, like, shooting thing, and he misses, and then he, but when he does his little movement, I was like, oh, so Sundance does bullet throwing, like, wanted. You know what I mean? He has to kind of be, he has to be in the, so it's like equilibrium, you know? He has to, like, get his gun caught going before he can shoot right. I was like, all right, maybe, maybe I watched too many comic book movies. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna all right let's do this this is spoiler town spoiler so town if, you, if, you, if, you, if you've enjoyed the comments so far you know thank you go subscribe go watch the movies and come back spoiler yeah, spoiler if I if I didn't make it sound like a weird fucking it sounds like a fr- I did make it sound like a French art film didn't I like, <laughs> yeah um I want to talk about the, I want to talk about the gold so the gold sequence um. The way that they easily uh, portrayed how greed can consume man is so simple, it's so fast, and it's so gruesome at the same time that is so well made. Because, like I said, you can enjoy the movie for what it is, or you can dig down. And obviously, here and that's the thing: there is so much to like dig under the surface of this movie. That I, I think, like, and that's why I, I didn't mean to want to take away from Butch and Sundance because I do feel like that's a great movie with a great portrayal of a relationship, but there's just so much going on in Sisters Brothers. And like, I hadn't, I mean, I had the same idea, but I hadn't heard it put the way, like, where you crystallize it there about greed and man, and like, even the idea that when they pour the solution into the water, you can gather your money, but if you gather too much, you get hurt. You need to get out and cleanse yourself for a minute to get away and then you can go back to work like even that element has its own underlying kind of tone to like it's about you know it's you know it's all about control patience. and patience yeah. and like don't I'm overdo sure. it don't go too far yeah. don't overconsume. you know don't take more than you need yeah. don't take shortcuts and then in come the sister brothers and charlie goes like fuck it and charlie <laughs> who is gives into his worst instincts on every it's um like honestly at this point in the movie you're like worried every time he has an interaction with somebody you're like he's gonna fuck this up and shoot him uh you know like when uh you know he's talking to jake gyllenhaal when they're like in the bathing hole after a long day and you're just like you know you most people have been around somebody in their life where you're worried like the wrong thing could just set them off to a point where it's scary and what yeah, can you that guy like that? all the time in this movie you do not want you know so you're always yeah, you're on yeah, edge yeah. that he's gonna do the wrong thing anyway and then everything's going so well and you're there like you know they're finding all this gold and you find out that the, like this is where you basically find out the solution's real you know like that it actually yeah. works and whatever and they're finding all this gold and they're all excited and then uh yeah, and then he goes to f- and fucks it all up. And then when they, he, he dumps too much in the water. And then when they fall into it, you're just like, oh, his arm is like melting off and shit. Uh, it's grim. It's so, so grim. And um, that's another thing that made this movie feel like a, like a science, like a fantasy movie where it kind of like. body horror. Yeah. Yeah. Like a body horror. Yeah, like horror. A body we horror went to a different, I became a to different say, genre. To say the body yeah. And, and when they cut his arm also, it's so, so visually, like... Maybe the most gruesome I don't know, it felt real. Dance with Wolves, like, it's a rough one. 
Yeah, it felt so real. And then, you know, is it his, is it his gun arm? I can't remember now. Um, No, I don't think so. I think he can still shoot a gun. He can still shoot a gun because he... I, he has I, trouble I, riding. I, remember, I remember when he's struggling with, with, like, controlling the reins with one arm. Yeah, because at first, like, I was like, okay, they're going to take away his power. Like, his only yeah. way is to kill, but he still kills with this left because yeah. he's a fucking ass. So. But by that time, John C. Riley, like, basically the Com- all the Commodore's dudes are chasing him. And John C. Riley has been, like, single-handedly just laying waste to, like, groups of guys. Yeah. <laughs> the ones who come and show up when he when Eli's, like, just got his army amputated in the town. Because that's the guy that Eli says he's going to partner with. He's like, I'll just go and I'll, I'll partner with Rooster, whatever that guy's name is. And that, when Eli says he's going to leave the life, and they kind of have a little tiff about it. Yeah. Um, and then that guy is the first one to show up after they just amputated. And, and, like, he can't even get Charlie to, like, get off the table and hide behind something. He's just like, no, I don't fuck not. I'd rather die or whatever. And then yeah. he goes out and just <laughs> mows down this group of guys. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, that's what makes me think they're almost supernatural. Like, they were just destined to be killers. He's just, like, so casual about, like, walking around a pop, bang. You know what I mean? It's just, like, second nature to him. He's been doing so long. And, like... That kind of feeling of oh you're not gonna kill me I've been through this a million times it's not gonna happen yeah. you're not you're not the guy <laughs> and I love that they like show this amazing sequence of like every single fucking person dying and they reach the Commodore and the French director slash French writers go like nope you're not getting a satisfying ending of yeah. Shoot out like you thought the commander has not been getting a big entire. revenge, you know, <laughs> tools and and uh, and Vincent it, shooting the guys the, in the hotel or whatever, you know. But the funniest happened. No, you know what? You know what I can compare this sequence to is what uh, Quentin Tarantino wrongfully did in the Django Unchained. Like he had this huge shootout in the in the mansion, like this, like this climax of a sequence which uh, kind of drags if i'm being honest it's and it's real fun for a minute and then you're like we're still yeah. doing this <laughs> yeah and then he gets captured and the balls penis thing happened and, and he comes, he comes back, back. And does more killing. yeah and you go like oh but we already and then in this movie you have this huge climax and it fucking ends and you go well, like oh. the climax is the scene right before that where Eli and Charlie are talking and Charlie decides he wants to kill the comp like he's like yeah. like he's like Let ready to turn the corner but for Charlie that still means killing but it means killing someone yeah. else it doesn't mean killing for uh, the commodore anymore like or becoming the commodore which he was kind of had on his mind he wants to go back and just end it. And, like, that's the climax of the movie. Him and his brother, like, coming together and realizing through all this, like, they found, like, him finally kind of realizing what Eli means and, like, what's really important. That's the climax of the movie. And then you get a great scene where they are the only people who showed up at the Commodore funeral. A, because it's like the Grinch, it's like the um, Ebenezer Scrooge thing. Nobody cares that he died. He was probably a horrible piece of shit who dominated the town. And also, and also all those dudes got murdered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but the funniest moment of the entire movie is when <laughs> Eli just punches the corpse, just making sure he's dead. <laughs> I love the like morticians are like, hey, hey. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's uh, probably a thing they had not experienced before. 
and then and then they they have this beautiful moment where they just return to to home to their mom and they're just gonna and their mom is carol Kane. fuck yeah yeah that's awesome <laughs> that was that is i remember the first time i watched it i was like what surprise carol Kane!" <laughs> that was a great casting great casting. i love she's um, like i'll kill and she's like threatens to kill him and then even when she knows it's her sons she's like what it, what's the d you're you know i can't have any of your bullshit like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's such a good movie. Uh, I fully recommend it. Like, like I said, I saw it in an empty theater, and I was so ecstatic watching it, like completely alone. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those movies that I, when I first saw it, I was like, I like blown away by it. You know what I mean? There's movies that are good and you enjoy, and there's movies that like, barely oh, look a fun, you know, or something. It just like doesn't catch you. And this one, I was just like, wow. I don't know like what it is about this story, but it's got a, so. I just, I just felt such a deep connection to, it, and there's so much packed into it. Um, yeah, and two hours, and they flies by. It just flies. Yeah. At least for me, it flies. Uh, yeah, two good movies. Fully recommend. I'm not. We're not rating, right? We, do we rate? No, I don't think we do ratings on these, do we? I don't think we do. We've done a couple of them. We don't rate them. All right. Um. Yeah. Westerns. Maybe next good. time. We'll do. Yeah, and like, uh, like I said, the you know, I I need to get out and you know expand my western viewing, but uh, they're making good modern westerns. You just gotta be on the lookout for them. So maybe next time we'll do a martial arts movie. Don't tease now. Where can the people find you, Brian? Oh, you know me. You can find me uh, at Hercules on Twitter, you know, saying things. And then when the whole internet kicks me in the dick, just doubling down because I love the attention. I, I don't know when this is going to come out, but I bet everybody knows where you, what you're talking about. It um, could be anything. You can say that every day. Yeah. It doesn't every matter. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be a specific uh, yeah. thing. <laughs> Yeah, you can find us here, Flyers of a Film. We have another podcast. It's been like an hour, an hour and a half long. We do topics. We do a movie. There's two other penises, like I mentioned. We have a lot of fun. I'm going to go watch it. Like there's, there's more jokes, I guess, because, you know, we do. I do more jokes there because I can make fun of TJ or Joe. Um, Flyers of Fear, mentioning Joe. He has a horror-centric podcast. He has a lot of good guests. Me and to try hard. He had to go out and start his little, you know. Yeah. Ooh, I got a side project now. I'm gonna bring back the DVD bunker out of spite. I keep saying it, but I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'll edit it. I'll edit it. And bye. Peace. Uh, I'm gonna have to keep your firing guns now. Yeah,